This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 112 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. Joshua, how is it going on this fine week? Um, I'm not going to even disclose the day that we're recording this because you know what? It doesn't matter. We're here for you to share the news. What do you got for me? I've got nothing really. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> these last what few days have been fine. You know, I've, yeah. I've got no complaints. Just, you know, making it through the the new year. I mean, it feels like the month of January has flown by, which I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing at this point, but I'm, I'm here for it. I know January and February for me are two of the toughest months for me to get through just because it's always dreary. It's, you know, it's kind of just like, there's nothing really to do. And then right now, obviously most of us aren't doing anything as it is with the COVID issue um, across the country still going strong. So it's just kind of a, a two bummer months. So I hope we get through it fast. Yeah, I definitely agree. And you, you brought it up, but that COVID thing is like, I don't yeah. know, I feel like I've gotten too used to it, which it's yeah. good because it means that, you know, we're used to the new normal and taking all the precautions and everything, but it's so bad because we're so far away from what we used to be. Yeah, it it, it is. And you said it's the new norm. I mean, it's the new norm when we really thought at this point, things would be somewhat getting back to normal. Uh, and it's just not the case right now. So hopefully we'll see some changes here in the next couple of months, but we'll get into it in a minute. Something big in terms of, you know, college football and the NFL that's not going to happen. So that's going to be interesting. We'll touch on that in a moment. We're going to get started with the drama at Tennessee. Woo. Rocky Top is feeling rocky right now. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> my goodness, I don't know where that name came from. But uh, maybe it was named after just the things that they go through up there because year after year, it just doesn't seem to get any easier for that football program, Joshua. And just recently, Jeremy Pruitt, he is out at Tennessee, fired for cause. Um, also, athletic director Philip Fulmer, Fulmer decides to retire. Hit me with your initial thoughts when you heard the news. Yeah, so... Hmm. Let me say this, Tennessee, and this will get to my bigger point, is a program that is suffering from a complex. They're in a weird place because they are a former college football blue blood, yeah. and their fan base has not let go of the 
former aspect of that. They still believe that Tennessee belongs in the in the conversation of top football programs. They belong in the conversation of SEC championships, college football playoffs, national titles, the whole deal. And it's just not what that program is anymore. It's just not there. And mm-hmm. I personally don't see a, a very clear route to get to that point. And mm-hmm. so you couple expectations of what Tennessee needs to be as a program and what Jeremy Pruitt was as a coach. And I think those were incongruent. I feel like people expected him to elevate Tennessee to this program that I don't believe is attainable right now. And he wasn't able to do that, but he was trying to do it. And he was doing it the way that a lot of teams try to do that. And it's by bending or breaking the rules. Mm -hmm. And so I, I feel like it's, that's that one, that is what makes it a disaster situation that happened and also a disaster situation in trying to attract coaching talent is you have a fan base and boosters whose expectations are totally out of whack. You're in the toughest conference in college football and you are trying to compete in the ways that other schools compete, but you're also on lower footing and you just had a coach get in trouble. So you can't hire the type of shady coach that they probably should hire, but that's the type of guy that you need to like re it's, it's bad. It's all bad. And and that's that. Yeah. You just have to shake your head. I mean, because you look at this whole picture of how it went down and we had been hearing, you know, word that he could possibly get fired once they started that internal investigation. But that's when you really started to think, okay, this is clearly something that Tennessee is doing on its own. So the boosters that are incredibly powerful at Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, we talked about Texas's boosters. I think Tennessee could be right up there with the power that they have with this Agreed. program and this crazy, weird particular part of their fan base. And I'm not putting all the fans in that category. So please don't think that I'm picking on Tennessee fans because I've met a lot of great Tennessee fans, but you're talking is, about the Clay Travis's of the world. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. a, right. There's a grouping of crazy fans that, you know, we went back to that Greg Schiano thing. We were talking about this before we got on the podcast. They were a part of that um, doing of not bringing him here to Tennessee. Yeah. Ran him off. Yeah, exactly. Ran them off. Right. And so you have to to think, OK, how much were they a part of not wanting Jeremy Pruitt here anymore? And so what happened is, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, did he do things that he wasn't supposed to do? Yeah, it looks to be that way. Um, while it's not an excuse, everyone's doing it in college football for the most part, especially in the SEC. Yes, especially. That is correct. That is yeah. happening. It is happening with the big programs like Georgia, um, like, you know, LSU. That's how they compete. It is how they compete. And so is it right? I mean, according to the laws, no. I could go on a whole other tangent on that. I don't don't know if it's such a terrible (laughs) thing. It's just when everybody's not doing it, that's when it's bad. But I don't necessarily think it's terrible. But but that's not this conversation. (laughs) Right. But my point is, is that this was not Tennessee being like, oh my goodness, the NCAA found out something and, you know, this whole investment. No, this was Tennessee purposely going to try and find something that Jeremy Pruitt or one of his staff members did wrong so that they could fire him with cause so that they don't have to pay the extra money because they're already in a heap of trouble in terms of that. 
because of how many coaches that they've gone through in just a short amount of time. Right. I mean, so that's what it comes down to. And that's what I just, I go back and forth with just having such an issue with because they want to get ahead. They want to become this prominent program again, but they're shooting themselves in the foot. And it seems to be because of everybody who's yanking them around like a puppet. Yeah. And that's part of the issue when the athletic department is bought and sold by boosters (laughs) is you're, you're at the mercy of their whim and boosters, although some of them are very successful, obviously wealthy people, they're not sports people necessarily. They might think they know, um, but they really don't. And and when you're an Mm -hmm. AD or university president or the board of directors, you have to be able to make decisions not based off of, and it's hard because, you know, you don't have the money, you don't have the support. It's hard to do anything, but you also can't have a revolving door. You also cannot continue to pay buyouts for coaches. You, I mean, it, it, that's not a way you can build a program successfully. The The thing that we cannot gloss over, and you made a, a, a point of it, but I have to reiterate it. Mm-hmm. Tennessee brought in lawyers on retainer, Correct. $500 an hour for one of them, $350 an hour for the other one to self-investigate. Yep. That is very atypical. Nobody does that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're paying $850 an hour to investigate themselves. And the only reason they did that, and I it was wild because that was the first headline I saw is Jeremy Pruitt fired with cause. The only yeah. reason they did that was so they could fire him with cause. It was cheaper to pay 850 yeah. an hour to to get yourself into trouble. To yeah. get out of that contract that they just extended him for this year, I guess last year, like, and and so it becomes a broader conversation for me. Is athletic departments wouldn't have to do stupid things like mm-hmm. you know paying boatloads of money out to attorneys to get themselves in trouble so they could fire a coach with cause if they were more responsible about contracts. And we've talked about some of them, uh, Texas and their buyout situation was astronomical. Auburn in their buyout situation, $21 million. And I think that was guaranteed. I don't think there was any offset in that. It's like these agents are killing athletic departments. And that's how we get to this point. Like, I I feel like I've seen too many of these situations where coaches are on these deals. They're bad deals. Lane Kiffin just got extended after one year. Like, I I can't can't deal with that. I don't know when it's going to stop though. I really don't. It's, it's garbage. Um, with the state of how people are living these days, which yes. is barely getting by, which people have no jobs, right? You know, we're we're waiting well, on every, you know, not I'm not talking about everybody, but but it's it's not just you're you're so right, but it's not just like society is struggling right now and people don't have jobs and like that's a crying shame that that's happening, but like you're you're getting rid of the thirty thousand dollar a year video yeah. guy. So yep. you can find money in your budget to pay somebody that you fired $21 million. Exactly. That's where, like, I cannot understand it. And you would think that a pandemic would make some of these schools yeah. more financially responsible. Yep. And it absolutely hasn't. The only one, yeah. honestly, that figured it out was the University of Michigan putting Jim Harbaugh on that contract Correct. where... It's favorable for both of them. They want to fire him. They can fire him. It's not going to cost very much. If he wants to leave, he can leave. It's not going to cost anybody else that much to 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 take him away. It's incentive based. So I mean, like I feel like that's what coaching contracts should look like: low buyout, mm-hmm. incentive based. If you're that good of a coach, you'll make your money, and we're not going to fire you. That's the point I was just going to make. Look, half these coaches, not to, not to be rude here, 
ain't worth that much money. They're really no, not. Not even close, folks. So why are they getting paid it? Like you said, you got like what 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 went into having to earn your money, right? I mean, they're throwing around dollar dollar bills like we're at a strip club. I mean, so for real. I mean, right? you ain't lying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to be rude here, but it's just it's it's getting to the point where it makes me so angry. And I love college football, but this part makes me angry with just how disgusting it is in terms of how loose they are with this money. And during a pandemic, like you said, we thought, oh, they wouldn't, they, they're not going to fire many of these coaches. It's not going to be where they're, you know, writing checks again and, you know, or losing money. It, and it's what it's been. It's not been anything different for the most yeah. part. And that's the, the shame of it all. It is. So the other thing that I wanted to bring up, Joshua, because I think people are wondering, okay, well, Tennessee clearly didn't want him. Right. right. The boosters and some of the fan base, because the fans get so obsessed with hiring a new coach every year. There's like a new talk of someone coming in every year at Tennessee. Sure. But from everything that I had heard from, you know, players from sources that I have is that they liked Jeremy Pruitt and they liked playing for him. Sure. And they thought that, that doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. But isn't it about these kids? It's no. not what they always say. Oh, it's about the kids. We get hey, them. Look, them know. You know? No, That's I know. What they it's say. Right. They, they lying. Right. But yet you're not going to pay these kids. Anyway, I'm going to go yeah. off on another tangent. But so, <laughs> so my thing is, is that this was not something where he deserved another year, at least. Okay. He deserved, he deserved another year at least. And, um, clearly this whole thing, you know, was is happening because of the situation these boosters put the university in. and the university is clearly uh, not they did not handle it the right way in my opinion sure. and then the other thing that I was going to get into because I listened to the press conference yesterday on my day off mind you um and it was seriously the Wait, most uncomfortable thing are, I've ever listened are, to. are there days off in sports no oh, okay did I, was I say that? I'm so sorry <laughs> I, did I I made a mistake you got to air no, quotes the day not. off. <laughs> the day off, right. On call, always. So <laughs> this press conference, Joshua, oh my gosh. I was, I literally had like knots in my stomach because it was so awful to listen to. You know, they had the chancellor on there. And then they had Philip Fulmer, the AD that has been there for a short time, but technically sure. hired Jeremy Pruitt. And he just decides, you know, he's retiring now. Absolutely, and why not? You know, this is perfect time, obviously, to retire. Well, they put him up there, and it almost was like he did not want to be there. It was almost like, why are we using him, like, as something where you can kind of like boost the university up? Because all they were doing was kissing his butt the whole time. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be a university where you come here and we do it the right way. And Philip Fulmer is the perfect, you know, model for this. And we thank Philip for all that he's done and blah blah blah. And it's like. You don't Philip you don't think Philip had one clue what what goes on in the football program? Yeah, I mean, he's probably encouraging it. Yep. <laughs> but they didn't want Philip to to go down with Jeremy Pruitt. They just wanted to make sure Jeremy Pruitt, you know. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, how do you feel about that? <laughs> like you just I got fired. Even... They don't have to pay your buyout and then yeah. they're really throwing you under the bus and celebrating your boss who yeah. let you go down in flames like yeah. how's it feel? How does it feel? I mean, that was the next thing he is hiring. Uh, he has hired an attorney and he is saying that he is going to challenge this decision. Yeah. I mean, now, I, would. 
I don't know. Yeah, I would too. I don't know how that's going to play out. I would guess he's going to try to just at least get some money back and try to get some of his, I mean, because people are looking at him right now with what Tennessee is saying, because none of the details have come out. They're just like, these are like serious allegations. There are many allegations. So he's looking like he's just like hung out to dry and he's not going to get hired. He's going to not get his buyout. And so he's probably doing anything he can to save face right now. Sure. So I don't know how a lawsuit, I don't know how that will go. I I know that's always a little bit complicated, but it clearly for him to come out the day of the firing for the most part and say, I'm going to challenge this means something. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that too. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Before we move on, I did want to ask you the big question you know, is who is next. And they are going to hire an athletic director first, which they say they're just having some firm do it. I don't really, I mean, I what, hate is, that. what is that? And this is what it does. And it pisses me off like just tremendously to have a firm do it. And and I hate it more so when they're doing a coaching search and maybe an AD search, but I think the board of trustees and the university president has to be extremely hands-on and very involved in that process because they're supposed to be the ones that set the the culture of the university. So I think they yeah. should be from their own pool looking and, and evaluating what they want the culture to be and who fits that. They should have right. already been evaluating. Like somebody's duty is to always constantly evaluate that. So there's number one. Number two, I think it creates this layer of distance for mm-hmm. when there's a bad hire. Mm-hmm. So you can say, well, you know, like, yeah, it was a bad hire, but as the university president, like it really wasn't my fault because we had that search firm, you remember, and like maybe they just didn't do a good job of understanding what we wanted out of a candidate. And that's how we ended up with a dud. No, right. no, 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 no. I need you to own it. I need you to do it 100%. So when it crashes and burns and when it fails, you can take ownership. You can't pass yeah. it off to some firm you paid money to. I yeah. can't stand that. And especially when it comes to coaches, like if you're an AD and you can't hire coaches, what the hell is your job? I get you're supposed to raise money, but like hiring coaches is the most important thing an AD does in my estimation. So you have to be hands-on with that process. Yeah, I'm with you on that 100%. When they said that in the press conference, I just seriously emoji. But they're a mess. Yeah, they're a mess. mess. Exactly. So I supposedly they're doing this with the AD first that they're going to hire, and then they're going to go search for their head coach. So what I think happened here is they have hired Kevin Steele a couple weeks ago. Weird timing on that, right? Mm. Thought that was kind of bizarre that they have hired Kevin Steele in the middle of an investigation. I thought that was just so weird. And somebody asked them, was Kevin Steele aware of the fact that he would be becoming the interim head coach, you know, at some point? And they're like, no, no, he didn't. The heck he didn't. Hmm. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into because they probably are telling him you're going to get a year to prove yourself as a head coach because he is going to be the interim. And I can't see them hiring a head coach and an AD in this short amount of time before the no, start. That's too much. It's, it's really difficult. Right? 
So I feel like this is part of the deal. This is part of what their plan is. Um, so Kevin Steele is the interim right now. And then there are names obviously all over the place. And uh, who knows what's going to happen with this. But I wanted your opinion on, first, who you think the heck would take that job? And the only that's, two names, I mean, yeah. that's right. The only yeah. two names that come to my mind is um, Jamie Chadwell and Hugh Freeze, which you can't hire a guy like Hugh Freeze after saying no. Didn't all the Jamie Chadwell have some issues too, though? He could have. I don't know. I don't know the details on I that. I know, that. Yeah, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I He's from Tennessee, Joshua, right around there. So I know that's a big reason why he would come there because he that's probably like one of his dream jobs too. I just don't see a lot of people wanting to go there. Yeah, he uh, Jamie Chadwell had numerous NCAA violations oh. in his past in 2018. Violations range from using multiple ineligible players to players using scholarship funds to purchase electronics and jewelries from the campus bookstore. So oh, there uh, we go. like the two guys that you really want are both shady. They're both slime balls. So yep. I doubt you can really hire them and feel confident about the hires. Sure. I don't know who takes it because I said it earlier. I think that that job is a dumpster fire. It is. And it's I awful. think the expectations are far far, far out of whack compared to what is actually capable of happening there. I don't care if you put Urban Meyer as the head yeah. coach of Tennessee football, they're not winning a national title. I don't no. think they can do it. And no. so I'm going on and on. I don't know who they hire. Uh, I don't know who actually wants that job that is hireable. Yep. That's, that's again, why I think Kevin Steele will be there at least for a year. So I don't think anything's happening that quickly. I could be wrong, but I'm sure we'll keep you posted uh, in the weeks to come about the drama there on Rocky Top. Yikes. Okay, so this is another kind of depressing situation. So there's uh, no NFL Combine this year. And I don't think we're like super shocked about it, about it, but there was a memo that went out to the NFL, NFL teams, I should say, on Monday and said there would be no in-person workouts at the scouting combine. Um, instead, individual workouts for draft prospects will be taking place at the pro days on college campuses um, across the country. So to to you, Joshua, somebody who is, has been there, done that, I mean, how big of a disadvantage is that for these players that are hoping to be drafted this next year? Well, let me, let me toss a question back at you before I answer that one. Have you been to or do you typically go to the combine? We do as a station i technically have not been to the combine myself but yes okay. we we cover the combine thoroughly so i've I only been as a player i haven't been as media yet and that's one of the things i want to okay. get off my bucket list and so i yep. know for a lot of coaches and scouts and personnel in the nfl it's a big networking event and they they hang out at the bars and they drink and they eat mm -hmm. and they have a great time and they share stories and best practices and all kinds of different stuff. And, you know, guys exchange information because you know how the league is good old boys club. Oh, so yeah. they're lacking from that. But I also know on the media side, it's the same thing. There are a lot of people who uh, network and they exchange information. They, they mingle with NFL personnel mm -hmm. just to try to get the scoop and try to build contacts and, and get sources and all kinds of different stuff. And I know how big of a deal that is on the media side not only to interact with other media people, but to interact with uh, people involved in these NFL organizations. So that's going to suffer. Now, as a player, 
it's one of the the things that you dream of on your path to the draft checklist is Indianapolis to run your 40 and to do drills. Sure. So just not having that experience kind of stinks. But on the flip side of that, and I've said this before on this show, that is the most grueling, most mm-hmm. difficult, just terrible week that you'll experience as a player. And so from that regard, I know that they're not going to miss people tugging on their joints, trying to see if there's anything sure. wrong with them. The psychological tests that they do on them, the verbal abuse you take from teams just to see if you'll snap. Like guys aren't going to miss that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's interesting, Joshua. And I completely agree with that from just everything you've talked about on this podcast in the past about the combine. It's clearly one of those things that you feel honored to be invited to. But once you're there, it's it's like you're in drill camp for, you know, as what what many days you're there, you know, doing that. And so I'm sure it is that part you won't miss. But do you think that they can get the full grasp on some of these players? You think, okay, okay. It'll benefit players um, that this isn't happening. And it's because they're not going to be able to do all of the medical evaluations, which is a big disqualifier for players. It's because they're, they're, they're going to have difficulties doing the interviews because like, I, I know some teams for a fact, they'll have like an old military guy whose only job is to sit in the, in the interviews in the corner and read body language to tell Shoot. if somebody's lying or to tell how nervous somebody is or their palm sweating, you know, are they fidgeting? Do they have sweat coming down their brow? Like, can they tell by the, the inflection in their voice and all kinds of different stuff if they're telling the truth or they're lying? Like harder to do that over Zoom. There's probably a, a niche industry actually for people who can do that over video conference, but it's more difficult to do so. Yeah. And they basically it's it's gonna be harder for them to extract information. So that benefits players. The way that it hurts players is typically if you have a lackluster performance at the combine, you would have your pro day to make up for that. Sure. So you have two chances typically uh to work out and to interview because they'll interview you on campus and everything. And that's just not going to happen. And so maybe where it it hurts players too, is they try to fit three days worth of activities into one day on campus. Correct. Who knows? But I think overall, it probably will benefit players just because those guys can't get too hands on and can't abuse you too much. Yep. No, I agree. I mean, the the scouts, you know, these coaches, GMs, they have their work cut out for them because they're going to be looking at a lot more film. Um, it, it's it's going to be a lot more work in a short amount of time for them. Um, and I know that this it's it's not like the combine goes on for weeks and weeks, but they get a, like you said, they get a lot done there in terms of getting answers they want. Right. Right. And so this isn't going to be as easy now. Now, these pro days, Joshua, you've also participated in pro days, which I have covered many pro days. And to me, though, like that's a that's a lot of dudes, um, you know, all trying to to get the attention of, of these, you know, GMs and these scouts. And that's where I think some of these guys that don't get the attention usually m- might not benefit because it's going to be on all the guys they really want to look at. And that kind of worries me too. Cause some of these pro days, it's like, they've seen the guys already in the combine, right? So maybe they're right. looking at this one guy that sticks out that they haven't heard of before that wasn't invited to the combine. I don't know. Yeah. I thought about and, that too. Well, that's a good point because I think that some personnel departments are undermanned 
And so when they do breakdowns for like, I, I can say for a fact that the New England Patriots look at every draft eligible. Basically, they look at every senior in mm-hmm. the United States, regardless of Division One, FCS, D2, D3, NAIA, whatever. They watch every senior's tape. And then they look at draft eligible prospects that are likely to come out. So they watch a ton of tape. Sure. I know some personnel departments don't have the staff to do that. They just don't pay enough people. Um, And so there will be guys, there are guys that are typically passed over in a normal year by certain teams. They're just disqualified because they're not good enough for the evaluation. The New England Patriots will look at everybody, but is it going to be more difficult for the Patriots to do that this year in person? Because you're right. Like they and Patriots are notorious for going to every pro day that's hosted too. Like there might be damn CFL teams and the Patriots there and that's it. Um, but will they have that opportunity? Because now there are probably going to be more pro days than ever just so everybody has that opportunity. Yeah. It should be interesting to watch. Um, I mean, I'm curious as how, how this is always going to, or how it's going to unfold. There's obviously going to be these, um, senior bowl games and stuff that some of these players can get looked at as well. So those might yes. become a bigger deal now too. Um, so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. It's time to have a little fun. Cause I feel like we've been talking about like not the greatest news here on the podcast today, but we're going to use this final segment. It was, as we promised, Joshua had done some <laughs> investigating. <laughs> and he has found some mock drafts that we're going to either maybe agree with but most likely tear apart so i'm gonna let joshua run the show you take it away my friend well thank you uh this is my first time running this show so hopefully <laughs> i don't do too poorly all right so uh, i've got a handful of mock drafts as kayla said and we got started on this because i was looking through some a week ago i can't remember the reason why and then i started looking at some of the names that were on these mocks and i'm like oh gosh ugh. These people think differently than I do. So we're going to go through some and we're just going to share thoughts. The first one I have is a CBS sports mock draft by Ryan Wilson. This one is pretty up to date. It's from nine hours ago. Mm. Did a first round mock. And one of the things that I said that I just don't agree with is that Mac Jones is a first round draft pick at quarterback. Also, am not bought into the fact that Trey Lance is a first round pick at quarterback. And then some players, in my opinion, are overdrafted by position value. And I'll get into that. But this one, they've got Trevor Lawrence going number one to Jacksonville. I think we can both agree on that. I think he's the best quarterback in here. Number two is where I start to ask some questions. Zach Wilson. Now, people like him. I think he's fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm not convinced on the level of competition that he was up against. And when we saw him against Coastal, he looked human. Right. Still looked good, but looked human. And so I'll just leave that there. Would you spend a number two pick on him? New York Jets, when you've already drafted quarterbacks poorly? Nope. Just leave that out there. You got to learn from three. You have to learn. You have to learn. Right. You'd hope. So number three, they have a trade in here from Miami Dolphins. They got the the Panthers moving up to snag Justin Fields. Ooh-wee. Oh, God. Ooh-wee. And you're going to notice a theme with this one because this mock draft, whoever this guy uh, oh, 
what I said his name when Ryan Ryan Wilson. He likes quarterbacks because he's got five of them going in the top ten. But number three <laughs> to the Panthers would be Justin Fields. I'm not mad about this. I think that's fine. I think he's the second best quarterback in this draft, but if you have him as the third best quarterback, I'm not necessarily going to argue. Number three mm-hmm. overall pick makes sense for him. If you feel like the Carolina Panthers definitely want a new quarterback, you can feel that way. Uh, mm-hmm. They've got some deep college roots with uh, their coaches, Matt Rule and the wonder kid, Joe Brady, down there yep. as well, coordinating the offense. So sure. it makes a lot of sense. Pick number four, and this is where I start to it's really oh, where I start bad. to get this tight. Mac Jones, quarterback from Alabama. Now, this mm-hmm. is a wild thing because CBS Sports has him the 25th ranked prospect in this draft and the fifth sure. best quarterback in this draft, but somehow he's the fourth overall pick, which either means that um, they don't think very highly of Atlanta's ability to evaluate personnel or this guy just doesn't believe in the way that everybody else at his company has ranked Mac Jones. I think that is the most egregious thing I've seen in a mock draft so far. Stupidest thing Mac ever. Mac Jones, Stupidest it's, it's wild. And and we talked about it, and I think he's a fine quarterback. I just don't think he's a first-round pick, Kayla. No, he's not. And if the, if the Falcons wanted him to start to learn under Matt Ryan, they could get him in the second round. Right, right. And I think that's the bigger thing is – this is the the issue is he's not going to be around in the second, which is where he probably should be. See, that's the thing. Just, you really think he's going to, I I just, that is to me, I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm look, I'm listening to, I know everybody needs a quarterback, but like they just get so quarterback happy and it's just like, they don't really do their, their due diligence of investigating. Is this going to be the right guy? And then they just trade him away after one year or get rid of him after one year. What, what have you bench him after one year? Yeah, and I just think that's, that's going to be the, the the thing with Mac Jones. That's exactly what I was getting ready to say. Too many teams in in recent years have messed up on quarterbacks that they get rid of in two years or a year. Uh, for me to say that I'm sold on Mac Jones, but people feel like uh, first round rookie quarterback money is throwaway money compared to what you yeah. you pay for a franchise guy. So I guess they're willing to spend it because guess, you turn yeah. around and you got to pay a, a a Patrick Mahomes four hundred million dollars over ten years. Like, I guess they're, they're fine with paying, you know, a first round rookie, you know, $35 million over four years, because right. I mean, that's a fraction of what they're paying for a franchise guy. It's a, it's a bet they're willing to make. I just disagree with, I'm going to jump down here to pick number 10. They've mm-hmm. got, uh, Pittsburgh making a trade with Dallas to move up into that 10 slot. And they're taking Trey Lance again. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how sold on Trey Lance. I am make of that what you will. Yeah. I mean, this is just five quarterbacks in the top 10. Yeah. Who is this dude? Is he a former quarterback? He might be. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, this. Uh, I'm sorry, but this is – I'm looking at this whole draft right now. Um, and, I mean, some of the names, like, further down, you know, it's – I'm, I'm not going to disagree with all these, but the, I, the quarterbacks in the top 10. I can't, I can't yeah. with that. That's ridiculous, yeah. Joshua. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Well, I'll switch gears over to this one, uh, Sporting News, with their mock draft. Um, And the reason I picked this one out is because I I actually do agree with the thought process here. I'm just trying to connect the dots on where they're going to go with the quarterback. But they've got uh, Trevor Lawrence going number one. I already said I like that. They've got Devontae Smith from Alabama going number two overall to the Jets. 
I love Devontae Smith. I don't think you can draft this guy too high. All he does is get open right. and catch the football. Um, right. That's what you want a wide receiver to do. But the question is, do you think it makes sense to stick with Sam Darnold and draft a wide receiver, or do you move on from the quarterback? Well, and that's the hole that they've dug themselves in, Joshua. Because I, I am go back and listen to any of my stuff that I've ever said about Sam Darnold. I said, I don't like him. And that's what I said back in the day. I said, I don't like the Sam Darnold pick. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback. He hasn't really proven to do much. Um, he is playing for the Jets, though. So I can't say that he was really put in a great position either. Um, and that's what you have to wonder about, too, Joshua, is any quarterback that they do draft, what are they surrounding him with? At You know, you're going to start as a quarterback and you're not going to have any protection. You know, it's like it's a mess to go it's there no matter what. I wouldn't want to go there. It's an issue. I agree with you 100%. I believe it's an issue. I have no idea what they're going to do. Um, some highlights off of this one because I want to I want to keep pushing here. Uh, you've got Justin Fields at four. Mm-hmm. Again, feel like the okay. coming back home. I, I just I feel like he's the second best quarterback. Um, yeah. Well, and Arthur got- Smith, again, I mean, he's going to do, in my opinion, a great job there. He He's going to think get in the right staff. And so even if Justin Fields didn't play right away, he's he's going to be groomed into to being that starter, and it's going to be a good thing, you know? It is. It's going to go the right way. It's going to happen the right way. I agree with you. You've got Carolina taking Zach Wilson at eight on this one. They've got my guy Trey Lance to San Francisco at number 12, which is very okay. curious to me. Uh-huh. You've got uh, Mac Jones, number 19 to Washington, which is a team that already had a quarterback issue. I can't even with, the, I can't even with that. I can't. Yeah, I'm struggling with that one too. And then here's my favorite one. This is... This is just, I don't know if the, whoever made this mock is, I don't know what they are. Dipping on some <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers, 24, taking Kyle Trask. I don't think Kyle Trask is going to be a very good Ooh. NFL quarterback at all. No, I don't either. As much as I really do like Kyle Trask, um, I don't think so either. Um, yeah, I just, I feel like he was a guy who overachieved. Yep. Yep. There's a reason he was a backup in high school. There's a reason yeah. he spent most of his career as a college backup. Yep. I mean, you're right. It, it, as much as, like I said, I like this guy personally, just because of the story. He, I don't think he's going to be an NFL player. So yeah, that to me is not good. I don't like yeah. that at all. I just, I struggle with it. I really do. Yeah. It's none of my business really, but yeah, it is. Um, well, I guess it is. There was one of these mock drafts and I want to end on it because I thought it was just, Ah, here we go. Skip over to the to the last one that was on the list, Kayla. It's the ESPN okay. mock. Okay. Got it. My guy, Todd McShay, who I have a ton of respect for. I love his sure. work. I think he does a really good job. He's been in the game for a while. I like his perspective. Came out with the mock for ESPN. Yep. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, number one to Jacksonville. Penny yep. Sewell, number two to New York. I can vibe with that. Devontae Smith, number three to Miami. I can vibe with that too. Number four, he's got Zach Wilson. That's where it starts, where the wheels start falling off for me. I I don't think I can get there. All right, so I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And the reason I was scrolling on this one is because I'm looking for my guy, Justin Fields. And so I jumped down to 13 for the LA Chargers. And it's not Justin Fields. It is 
another Ohio State guy, Sean Wade, at 13th overall. What? Um, Todd McShay, like Wait. I said, love you. Appreciate your perspective. Did you not watch college football this year? Wow. Did you not see that guy getting toasted by every wide receiver that he went up what? against? Spin cycle, damn, mossed, toasted, cooked, just dogged. Every time he was out there one-on-one -on, -one on an island trying to guard somebody, did you not watch college football this year? Man, that's, that is a, is he trying to like stick out in this one for a reason and not for the good reasons? Like, no is he trying to be a guy that just is like, wants some controversy surrounding that? That is weird. It's bad. That I, is I just, really, I mean, you've been the one harping on the secondary all year. Yeah, and the this is a line that really pissed me off on his his little write up because you know they do the blurb. It says Wade can play inside or outside. That is not true. He has shown that he absolutely cannot play outside. He couldn't do it in college. He can't do it in the league. And so, like, I'm just going through this as an exercise because these mocks piss me off. Um, because some of the guys just go based off of names. Some of the guys just throw names in there just to stand out that don't make any sense. And then I scroll down finally to 15th overall where Justin Fields is coming off the board. And I don't understand any scenario on draft day where Justin Fields makes it out of the top 10. I just, I can't see it, yeah, but that's what he that. had. Yeah. I don't Mac Jones it, it, 21 freaking hmm. just, and then my guy, would, Chris Olave, which he made this before Olave said he was staying in, but he had him at 25. Okay. Yeah. I don't, th that surprises me with Todd McShay. Cause I usually actually, I, I do go off of a lot of his mock drafts. Which I know can change. It's they can change, obviously, and they will. But just, I mean, with what you know already, just doesn't seem like that's very good mock draft. Yeah, I, and just all out of sorts. I feel like, and if there's going to be, we talk about all these teams wanting quarterbacks this year, and it's always like that. I feel like the past couple of years. I mean, you're not going to have Justin Fields in the top ten, like, and you right. know that one of these teams is going to go get a quarterback besides the first team, which is Jacksonville getting Trevor Lawrence, like that don't well, make any And that's why mock draft season is always so freaking interesting to me because you have one analyst who's doing a mock draft and he puts five quarterbacks in the top 10. And then you've got another analyst doing a mock draft who has Justin Fields going at number 15 and he's like the third quarterback off the board. You know, like it, there, there's such an inconsistency that exists with these mocks. And it's why just as a, a sports consumer, it's fun to see the scenarios, but you shouldn't buy into them. There's only yeah. really, in my opinion, uh, one person whose mocks I actually like looking at. Two people, really. Dane Brugler, I think, does a good, uh, really good job for the athletic. Matt Miller is the guy. He's got all the insight. He's got legit connections. So when he has information pertaining to draft season, I tend to buy into it. But outside of that, it's just fun for me to look at these and laugh. Period. Oh, yeah. And that's, I mean, it's great content for us, clearly, to have, you know, things that we can, like, discuss in terms of these mock drafts because half of them are just ridiculous. Well, that is a wrap on episode 112 of Press Pass. As always, you can go follow us on social media. I am at Kayla Anderson TV. He is at RIP underscore JPP. We talk about sports 24-7 and not just college football. So check us out on those platforms. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will be back here same time, same place next week. See you later.